0: like to read with you the book of Numbers. Now, if you don't have your Bible with you, um, you can just listen or look on with your friendly neighbor. And uh, we'd like people to see that what we're reading isn't from just our Bible, but it's the same thing that's in your Bible as well. And uh, that's the purpose of having a Bible. If you need a Bible, make it known to us, as some did last night, and we'll see that you get a Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, then Numbers, in chapter 21. Numbers chapter twenty one and verse number five. And the people speak against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. Now that's where was the beginning of blessing for these people to admit, We have sinned. And as they go on further, and acknowledge that they have sinned, um, uh, as they confess this, of course, to God, and say for we have they know what their sin was we have spoken against the lord so they knew they had sinned they knew what their sin was and this time it was because they had spoken against the lord and against thee and against moses that is pray unto the lord that he take away the serpents from us and moses prayed for the people and the lord said unto moses make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten when he looketh on it shall live and Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld a serpent of brass, he lived. Now come to where we were last night in John chapter 3 again. John chapter 3. Matthew, Mark, over in the New Testament. Sorry, just take your time and find it. John chapter 3. And verse number 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher. Come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit, is Spirit marvel not that I said unto thee, he must be born again. Now, just to put it in language you understand, he did not get it. He did not understand it. Come to verse number 14. This verse is going to sound familiar because of what we read back in Numbers. Verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I don't think ever before, I've, in 34 years of gospel preaching, I've likely spoke about the new birth, being born again two nights in a row. We're going to do that tonight. Why don't you look at it like this tonight? What we have is something that only has to happen once. Once. Had a man tell me a while ago that he was born again different times. Oh. So how many times were you born into this world? Born into your family? Oh, we said, just once. I says you only have to be born into God's family once, but to be in God's family, you must be born again. For the simple reason, Jesus said it. Now, it is interesting, you know. I, as preachers, we sometimes link passages together, and I'm sure there's people sitting in the meeting and saying, Glad he sees the link. I don't see it. I don't get it."
1: But I can rest assured as I speak tonight that you get this connection.
0: Do you know why? It is endorsed by the Lord Jesus Himself. When He spoke to a man about being born again by the name of Nicodemus, and He didn't understand it, He didn't get it, He went back to a passage that He did understand from history, from reading His Bible, in Numbers chapter 21, that time when the children were bitten by the serpents, and they were dying, and there was a provision made by a serpent of brass placed on a pole, lifted up from the camp, and everyone that looked toward it received life. Everyone that looked toward it was healed. I really believe that when Nicodemus heard that, right away he would all, if I could speak to him, he'd already say, I see it now. I see it now. Because the Lord Jesus said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must. The Son of Man be lifted up. My friend, it is a must for both people. Just as it was a must for the Son of God to be lifted up, it is a must for you to be born again to enter into heaven. Now the reason that these link themselves together in my mind is this. I want you to think of two things. I want you to think of the serpent's bite and the second birth. The serpent's bite and the second birth. Because the first happened, the second must happen. They say, wait a minute now. Serpents bite. How am I uh, linked with a serpent's bite? Those were people back in the Bible. And they murmured against God and the serpents bit them. What's that have to do with me? Everything. Everything. Go to Genesis chapter 3. How does the enemy come into the garden? When God had made Adam, placed him in that garden, it says there was a serpent that came into that garden called Satan. And all he did is what he does today. And he did not have to do anything more. He just had to plant a little seed of doubt in the minds of people that had heard from God. Just a little bit of doubt. Well, now, really... God being fair. He's placed us in this garden and He's all of a sudden telling us that there is a uh, a tree that we can't partake of. Uh, Is this really fair? Is this really right? We don't really think so. So there's just a little seed of doubt. That's all it took. You know, there's people come to a gospel meeting like this. Listen to what you're listening to tonight. Look at a chart like you're looking at tonight. Sing the songs like you have sung tonight. And over the whole thing, you know what they could put? One big question mark. One big question mark. Is it really true? Oh my friend, it's not true because we're preaching it. It's true because God says it. And to prove to you tonight that you and I have been affected by the poisonous bite of that serpent is because every one of us tonight are on the quick march toward this awful pillar called death. Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. Again, Romans chapter 5, verse number 12, wherefore is by one man sin. Sin entered into the world, death by sin. Death is passed upon all men, and that all have sinned in Adam. It's nice people think, uh, you know, that's a little unfair. That's a little unfair. I don't know if I would have done what Adam did in that garden. Yes, she would have. Yes, she would have. Now, how do you know that? Because the Bible says you would. The Bible says that when Adam sinned, you sinned in Adam. The Bible also, in Romans chapter 1, proves conclusively that because of the sin of our foreparents, and in chapter chapter 3 of Romans... That we inevitably do the same. The Lord Jesus spoke to people and He said, "You sin just like your father sin." Okay. I mean, we have four children and twelve grandchildren, and I've never had to sit down with children or grandchildren to say, "This is how you tell a lie." You didn't have to do that either. Have to teach your children how to lie? Oh. No. Have to ever have to teach them? Say, you know, this is how you deceive dad and mom. No, you didn't teach them that. There was something. There was something that came on board in their very nature from birth that proved conclusively that they were born sinners. And we all are. We have all been bitten by this serpent. We have all taken on the character of what is us. In other words, that serpent when it bit those children of Israel it literally deposited into their bloodstream something that would take them to death that's why the Bible says in Adam all die it's interesting that serpent did not have to acquire the venom Okay, just stay with me for a minute it did not have to acquire the venom somewhere and then go and bite somebody with it its nature produced what would kill my friends, you have a nature that will produce what will kill, and the Bible, the Lord Jesus taught that you and I have taken on the very character of what is bitterness. See so where did you find that? Matthew chapter twenty-three. What did he say? He said, "Ye servants." Yeah, ye servants. You generation of vipers. How can you escape the damnation of hell? The strongest words used by the Lord Jesus himself were used in relation to the serpent-like character that we have taken on. Come on, we're a pretty slippery bunch. Sure, you pin somebody on certain. Take a child. He's disobeyed, he's done something, and immediately he wants to uh, get away from it. I'm funny because just on the weekend when I was in St. Thomas, Ontario, the man that I was with, Mr. Scott McLeod, wanted to see the farm where we were raised, and all the stories he's heard about, our days of growing up, and where I got saved, and that sort of thing, and we drove into the property. No, I haven't lived in that property for 34 years. The people that now had it came out, and uh, Mrs. Luke's is her name. I said, Mrs. Luke's I said the trees have really grown. Yeah, I said some of them have been cut down. Yeah, she says, some of them have. I says, tell me, I can't see it, but is the old walnut tree still around on the west side of the house? Yeah, she says, it's there, big as ever. Why? She says. I says, I'll never forget it. My brother Tim and I, not supposed to do it, got into throwing stones at each other. And unfortunately, for my part, A stone left my hand and went sailing a little too high, went right through the living room window and tickle, tickle, glass glass all breaking. And My mother's there with a vacuum. You know, what's going on? Of course, she must have called to my father. He must have just, unfortunately for me, to have been in the house at the same time. My my brother Tim was very smart, very quick. The neighbor's tractor was coming in the yard. He jumped on it. He was gone. I thought, I'm going to run around this west side of the house. Uh, I, I just, you know, what do you think I did? Walked in and said, oh, Mom, sorry, I busted your window. No, no. First I'm going to run. My first inkling in nature was, get out of here. Not face it. Now, in going around the west side of the house, my, ha- my lot was to meet my father coming on the same side. And he didn't, I suppose you can't do that today, but you did it then back on the farm. He didn't take time to go into the house and get... What he usually used to apply some technology but he just picked up a piece of branch off that walnut tree and I felt it. You know something I didn't do anymore? Throw stones. So my father taught me how to throw stones? No. My father taught me how to dismay. That was right in me, my friend. Just it wasn't these people. So what we have here I say something only happens once. The serpents bite in the second birth. Now listen, listen. You are not going to sit there tonight and tell me, I'm not a sinner. I have no result in my life that the serpent has bitten me. Well, the very fact, my friend, that you're going to the grave like I am is proof that you've been bitten by the serpent because the Bible says that's because we are dying. It's because of that disease of sin. That literally is coursing through us tonight. Our nature, every fiber of our being has been contaminated by sin. And for that reason, you need to be born again. Now coming back to Numbers chapter 21. The serpent's bite. Just as I say, our first father, how does that go That verse in the psalm concerning Adam? Our first father hath sinned, he hath transgressed. He has sinned against God and we are linked with Him. Now these people here in Numbers chapter 21 hey, wait a minute, don't be too hard on them. Don't be too quick to judge. They're in the desert. We have done some complaining too. There's a lot of things that weren't going their way. You know how it is when things don't go our way? We complain. And at the end of the day who ultimately gets the blame is God. Isn't it amazing that God never gets any credit for what He does unless something goes wrong. Then He gets all the blame these people began to murmur against God and against Moses and they said what are we doing here why have you brought us into this land our soul is tired of this bread that you're feeding us with and it says that the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people of Israel that bit the people and much people of Israel died, now what are they going to do well the first thing they did is what Adam did Maybe not the first thing. But remember Adam, one by one, he comes out and he confesses to God. Genesis chapter 3. I did eat. In other words, I have nobody else to blame. See, we're so good at that. We can always find someone else at whose door we want to lay the blame for our circumstances, for our sin. But both Adam and Eve are made to say, I did eat. Or I have sinned. And these people said to Moses as they spoke to him, we have sinned. More than that, they knew what their sin was. We have spoken against the Lord. Huh? You wouldn't have to take the Lord's name in vain. You would not have to swear, sir, to speak against the Lord. These people said, we have spoken against the Lord. And they understood this, the Lord has hurt us. And these people are dying. Now they say, listen Moses. They go to somebody that can pray for them. When push comes to shove, who do you get to pray for you? I live in a small town of 6,000 people. I have had people that would call on me to come, not because I'm Moses or I'm Abraham or somebody like that. They will call on me to come and pray with them or pray for their family. They wouldn't even ask their own clergyman. Something's wrong. It seems there's something when people know that their need is desperate. They come and they say, listen, pray pray for us, just pray for us. I had a friend of mine, he worked at a large construction firm. And likely one of the roughest guys he worked with. He used to mock and make fun of him and everything else until his daughter got sick. And my friend was visiting in the hospital when he came out of one room, here was his, the man he knew from work. He said, he called him, he said, please come, come, he said, we got a chat. He said, come on down, he says, we'll, we'll, we'll go down to the uh, chapel. Little room that was set aside for ministers to meet with their people and clergymen and so on. He said, listen, I need you to pray for Rhoda. I need you to pray for her. She was a sick girl. My friend went in and he prayed for her. You know something? Rhoda got better. I don't know if you could talk to that man today about his, Need or not. had a man in our town by the name of John Dyser, big contractor. I was in the intensive care unit of the Moncton Hospital. I wouldn't even know the man that was in the bed. He was so sick. Except to sit on the end of it, John Dyser. I thought, one if that's the John Dizer I know? It was. I was visiting another little lady from Down River Hebert, Nova Scotia. She was dying. After I visited my, finished my visit there, I walked over to John's bed and I said, John, how are you doing? He just shook his head just to fast forward this, I said, John, uh, can I pray? we oh, should just pray. Please pray. pray. I prayed for him. Went back, visited him, and prayed. John got better. God raised John up. He's still back at this contracting work. Doing well. His boys are in the business with him. And you know, just as long as he's by himself, as long as he's not with all his other ungodly friends and the Tim Hortons or wherever, uh, he'll give me, you know, hello, but he does have just a very short way. Just a brief acknowledgement. Is that the way we are? These people, my friend, have come to a realization. Listen, we do not want to die. We don't want to die. Listen dearly, when it comes to dying, you make sure that's the only thing you've got to do. Is that clear? When it comes to dying, you make sure you've got nothing else to do. Nothing else to look after. You make absolutely certain that you are on this road to heaven or you'll be in hell. The Bible says it. The serpents bite. So, the Lord said to Moses, Moses, make a serpent. You know, Moses could have stood back the people could have stood back and said, Oh, not another serpent. Not another serpent. Do you know why there had to be a serpent? In other words, there was something made in the likeness of the very thing that brought the sentence upon them. When they looked upon that serpent, do you know what they would look upon? Something that reminded them of their sin. Now Moses says, You'll make that, God said to Moses, You'll make that serpent of brass, and you'll put it on a pole, and everyone that looks toward it will be healed. Now listen, what kind of tools? I do not know what kind of craftsman Moses was. As far as I know, he's a shepherd. But what kind of a, a think about, it, what kind of a serpent would he make? What did it matter? I'm sure there were people who stood back and thought, well, we've seen it all now. Just like they did in Noah's day, they stood back and they saw that towering vessel being built and there hadn't been rain yet. And thought, this man flipped out. What's going on? He needs me to check in somewhere. And they'd look and they see that serpent of brass. Oh, my. Well, you could do that and die. You could sit back in your tent and laugh and mock all you wanted and die and go straight to hell. Or you could believe God. That's your choice tonight. Oh, you say, oh, well, wait a minute. What would I have to do to go to hell? Do you know what you'd have to do to go to hell? Nothing. Nothing. Just stay the way you are. Stay your course. Whatever you've set your mind into, just stay there. And the Bible says, as the tree falleth, so shall it lie. Or... A person could say, what have I got to lose by looking in the direction of the serpent? What have I got to lose? Come on, friend, what have you got to lose tonight by getting saved? Maybe you're like some people that I know back our way, they could not, they've told me. They said, I couldn't imagine going to the shop tomorrow and telling the boys that I got saved. Oh? That I was born again, that I was going to heaven. Before a person gets saved, they get past all that. These people got past all that. Moses would take that serpent and there he would make it it upon that pole and everyone that looked toward it, no matter how deep the bite was, no matter how dreaded it had been, no matter how bad their situation was, they were healed. Let me ask you, how many times did the serpent have to bite them to send them down? How many times? Once. How many sins will keep you out of heaven? One. It has to be one. Suppose that God set the limit, okay? Suppose God set the limit on uh, 100,000 sins. And that when you and I were born into this world, we were given an advanced quota of 1,000 sins we could commit. Anything beyond that? You didn't make it. What about the poor man or woman that committed 100,000 And one. How many sins barred them from heaven? One. You know, people have said to me, why did God ever allow sin to come into the world? I've answered the question the same way for the years, as long as I've known it. Why did God allow sin to come into the world? I don't know. I've heard all kinds of suggestions. But I have to stand here tonight and tell you, I don't know. But I want to tell you what I do know they will never allow it into heaven. Revelation chapter 21 tells us very clearly. Not that which defiles shall ever enter into that celestial city. If you're going to go to heaven, my friends, you can't go there unless your sins are forgiven, unless you're born again. Now very obviously, there's one thing these people needed. If they were under the sentence of death, they needed life. And as you and I were born into this world, we were born under the sentence of death. And we needed life. And the only one that could give us life was one that gave his life. The Lord Jesus. One bite. There's a very well-known, and well, let's face it, anybody that's had a brush with cancer or read much about cancer will read the writings of a a doctor by the name of Dr. Karen Wetteran. Dr. Karen Wetteran was the dean of the faculty, faculty in... Um, Dartmouth, New Hampshire, and there's a large research facility in that university. And she led the uh, a lot of the uh, her class, graduating classes, that did a lot of research when it comes to different medicines and effects on cancer and so on. One day, she was working in her lab, and of course, with very strict orders to all that worked with her, and they were very, very careful putting on special latex gloves because of what they were handling, and this particular time this day, uh, they used it most days, they were handling dental mercury and just everybody knew that dental mercury, you, you couldn't take too much of it who would tell you and uh, as the doctor uh, was working away this day, Dr. Wetter was working away, and it was early in the spring, uh, one of the her uh, undergraduates noticed an awful look of consternation on her face and a look of horror and shock as she was peeling off these latex gloves She's, she says she right over, she says, Doctor, she says, Can I help you? You know what she said? What well, you're thinking, I can handle it. She go back to your work, I can handle it. But she couldn't. Understand, sin is too big for you to handle, friend. Too big for me to handle. That was in April. That was just before Easter. That doctor became a very, very sick woman. Very sick. By by uh, the Thanksgiving weekend, she was vomiting uncontrollably, and by the first of December, Doctor Karen Wettern was dead. She was dead, and as they wrote about her death, they said whether there was a tear in those gloves, whether there was just a a moment's act of active carelessness, whatever there was, it took the life of the doctor. What did it take to do it? It just took one drop. One sin keeps everybody and anybody out of heaven. That means you in the meeting tonight. That's why you must be born again. That's why. In John chapter 3, when the Lord Jesus wrote about, spoke about being born again, he reverts right back to Numbers chapter 21. And he says this As, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must, must, the Son of Man be lifted up. So we have a fatal bite. Let me talk to you again about a fitting birth, a fitting birth. Now I was born into this world. I was born just as you were, with all it comes as the result of being born into a sinful world. And today, we bear evidences, not just of our own sin, but of the fact that sin is in the world. That's why when they came to the Lord Jesus in John chapter 9, they said, Who did sin? This man or his parents? Well, he said, Neither. Now, he didn't mean neither one of them had sinned. But he said, That's not why this boy is blind. The reason this boy is blind is because of sin in the world. And the Lord Jesus said in John chapter 3 to a man who didn't think he'd ever been bitten, a man who knew this passage a man that could have stood here and preached it better than I could ever preach it he would never experienced it he'd never been born again and he came to the Lord Jesus Christ by night all kinds of suggestions have been made as to why he came by night I'm not going to add to them as far as I was concerned it became so important he couldn't wait till tomorrow can you? my friend if you can wait till tomorrow to be born again, to be saved you don't want it bad enough He came by night, didn't care who saw him. didn't care who knew didn't care who heard about it because this man had one thing on his mind, it's this I want to make absolute, oh, remember he's an old man he's speaking to a younger man the Lord Jesus, he says I want to be absolutely sure that when I die, I'll be in heaven are you sure that tonight girls? how about you dear boy are you sure, absolutely sure tonight that if you die you'd be in heaven? Don't second guess that. I just had an email the day before yesterday from a young man, father of three. I've known him for a while. i his parents very, very well. He came to the brethren at the overseer of the assembly. He says, I need to be baptized. I said, you need to be baptized. Yes. What are you talking about? He said, I didn't get saved until two years ago. are you sure he says hey I'm 27 years of age I know when it happened Happened when I was 25 it didn't happen when I used to say it happened he started to relate to them how driving down the road he discovered he was just a guilty vile sinner going to hell never faced the fact of his sin and trusted Christ as his savior he said the peace the joy I had and I thought you know really I'm saved I'm not going to say anything it's going to upset my parents it's going to upset my wife she's going to be shocked Last year, he had a sickness he couldn't get over for a long time. I started to speak to him. You know what he, you know what he discovered? And I'm not going to give his name. You know what he discovered? I've been around well, my brother-in-law too long, so I don't give the name of him. Okay? You know what he discovered? What's it matter? What's it matter? He's baptized Sunday night. And likely soon gather with the Lord's people. My friend, make sure what you. No, wait a minute. You are not going to find or listen to me preaching false professions in any gospel meeting. I believe you preach God's truth and it exposes anything that isn't true. That's God's work. But you want to be absolutely sure you are going to heaven. No questions about it. Not just passing the test of the preacher. Not just the preacher coming and he hears it and says, Yeah, yeah, sounds good to me. That's, that's good. That's nice, dear. So on. I and mean, we're not God. This man wanted to be absolutely certain that he had eternal life. What was the reason for it? What was the reason for the new birth? Now, I would not stand on a platform and say the first birth was wrong. No, it wasn't. The first birth was just a birth that was affected by sin. And the Bible calls the second birth as a birth that is from above. And the reason for it is this. That to be in God's heaven... To go to the next world must be the same as you come into this world, sir, with a new birth. Now, do you have it or not? I uh, picked up a Toronto newspaper one time. Never forget the picture of this lady in front of it. Very nice-looking lady, lady likely in her early 30s, and real look of something's happened to her family. It was in the Toronto Star, which is Toronto, Ontario, one of our biggest newspapers in Canada. The story went on to say that this lady had been to a funeral in Miami, Florida. She came back, flown into Toronto International Airport and again coming through customs she was asked for her uh, proof of citizenship. That was the question that the Canadian customs official asked her. Proof of citizenship. At that moment Mrs. Gwen Templeton put down an OHIP card, which means Ontario Hospital Insurance Plan with her picture on it. So she had coverage in our country for any medical issues at all customs officer stood and he said I-, I need proof of citizenship she put down an Ontario driver's license again it had her picture on it and she said I've been teaching in this country for 20 years now there's a reporter standing over to one side he heard all this finally the customs officer said if you are a school teacher you must understand what I'm asking you for Miss Templeton I'm asking you for proof that you were born in Canada You know why she couldn't produce it? She never had it. And she didn't come into Canada. And she went back. I will never forget what that reporter said. He said, that reporter said this, he said there was something that was bone chilling to watch that woman nervously fumble through her purse for something she knew she did not have. What an awful moment to come to the end of the road and nervously circle through your life for something you know you do not have. That's the reason for it. There's a record of it. There is. The Bible makes it very, very clear. Again, it was the 87th Psalm. This man was born there. It's recorded. Just like our birth is recorded in this country, it's recorded in heaven. So there's a reason for it. There's a record for record of it. There's a rejoicing in it. Now I can't stand here trying say, Are you saved? Are you not saved? Are you born again? Let me ask you. Whatever you have, is there a joy that goes with it? Any rejoicing in it? Away with this nonsense. Away with this business. A person being saved and there's no joy that is associated with it. It's a wonderful thing to be born again. Wonderful thing to be saved. Wonderful thing to know I'll never be in hell. So there's a rejoicing in it. But you know something else there is? There's a resemblance of it. I walked in this hall tonight and I looked at a little boy sitting in that chair back there and I thought, boy, does he ever look like his dad? He got on the loose in this hall you know who boy who's boy he was. Okay? you Usually they knew who mine were by the way they were acting not by the way they looked. They up. They say, it must be Murray's. Luckily, was. There's a resemblance. Let me ask you tonight. Is there any resemblance? Would, would, any, would your neighbor know that you're a Christian? Would they know that you've been born again? Would they suspect that maybe something has happened in your life that makes you different from them? Whatever you do, my friend, don't make a mistake on this. The second birth... It is the prerequisite for heaven you know this, a person could die and go to heaven without the mortgage paid, but the bank liked it or not, they could die and go to heaven without visa payment paid, and visa wants the money too a person could die and go to heaven without a thousand other things but a person cannot die and go to heaven without being born again the second birth Designed by God, my friend, a birth, my friend, that supersedes any birth here on Earth. The Bible, the Lord Jesus spoke of it as being born from above. It is something that is untouchable by sin. You see, sin affects first birth. You know, I look at. It, I think maybe it's time we took put them down because we we'll get too many questions about it. But people come into our house and they stay in our bedroom and they want to. They come up the next morning and they say, usually in jest. Who's the people in the picture in the dresser in your bedroom? Well, you know who it is. Not who it was. It happens to be myself and my wife. But today, we both, I must speak for myself, bear evidence to the fact of what? What do you bear evidence to the fact of the first birth? There's some process going on that is taking me the way of all the earth just like it's taking you, my friend. And you may not have a black hair left in your head like I don't. And you may not even have a a white one showing. doesn't change it. Because you are going to die, and because you have to meet God, if ever you're going to be in heaven, you must be born again. Now somebody said to me that, they said, "How, how how can you be born again? Let me just help you on that. Something the Lord Jesus never did to this man. He never would sit down and said, "Now here, here's four easy steps. Do it. You do this. You do that. You do that. You do that." No, no. He just equated. He just illustrated it by a simple look of faith to what God had said. Now, in all truth, that serpent of brass did not heal those people. No, no. It was obedience to what God had said, and as they looked away to that provision, obeying God's word. God declared them safe and saved. And he'll do the same for you tonight. Shall we pray?